Logistics is transforming our lives and the way we do business in today's ever-changing economy. If your company or community thrives on the quality of your logistics, then we'll give you a peek behind the curtains to the topics and people who are driving this exploding industry. You're listening to the Logistically Speaking GT Podcast, produced by Global Trade Magazine and sponsored by the World Economic Development Alliance. You can listen to all our GT podcasts at www.globaltrademag.com or join the thousands that have downloaded our app in the Apple iTunes Store. Now, here's our publisher and our host, Eric Kleinsorge. Eric Kleinsorge. I want to welcome all of our listeners and global trade readers to another great GT podcast episode. Today, we're going to dive into the topic of ports. With, with today's ever-growing container ships, I thought it'd be nice to see what opportunities lie now that they're able to move through the Panama Canal. We're also going to take a look at what advantages to look for when choosing the right port and making sure your port is dealing with the issues of container growth. Today, we're turning to our special guest, Richard Shear. Since 2006, Richard has served as the Director of Communications for the Maryland Department of Transportation's Port Administration. Under Richard's tenure, the Port Administration has received numerous awards from the Port Maritime Industry and National Communication Competitions. The Port of Baltimore is a value partner with Global Trade, and we've noticed how they've been not just keeping pace with the economy, but providing their customers with some unique benefits that separate them from other ports. We felt Richard was well-spoken on our topics today and could provide you, the listener, with some important takeaways from today's episode. Richard, welcome to the show. Well, thank you very much for having me. Very excited for this opportunity. Yeah, we're, we're really excited about the topics today. I think they're very right in line with trends that are happening today. But why don't we start off with a little bit, uh, a little of your background, Richard. I uh, usually don't talk about myself very much, but happy to give uh, the listeners a little bit of a background on me. I've been at the Port of Baltimore now since 2006 as the communications director, and it's been, uh, it's been a, a great opportunity for me to learn the shipping industry, the maritime industry, obviously learn about the port industry. I had not had a position uh, in this industry before I came to the Maryland Port Administration. So uh, the learning curve was uh, interesting and, and still learning actually to this day. And just I've really most enjoyed getting a real feel on how important this industry is to the world. So why don't we go ahead and dive right in. You know, our listeners are, are really well-versed in the global economy, but a lot of times they're tasked with, you know, with their own growth and finding the right logistics solutions. Why don't we start off by giving our listeners a little background on the Port of Baltimore? Sure, happy to do that. Well, the Port of Baltimore is actually one of our nation's oldest ports. We are now in our 312th year. Yes, we are actually older than the, uh, than the U.S. itself. And the history of the Port of Baltimore is is very, uh, very interesting because it basically transcends time and transcends important milestones and dates in the, in the uh, history of our nation. Uh, our history includes, here at the port, our history includes serving as an entry port for immigrants entering our country uh, in the 20th century. It includes building warships to support the World War II effort. It includes serving as a port when it started back in 1706, where its major commodity was, was tobacco. So we have been a very diverse port since the very beginning with, with the different cargoes that we handle here. And actually today, we are 
we pride ourselves on being a very diverse port in today's world as well. Okay. Well, with so much history and diversity that lies there, what do you think some of the port's biggest strengths are? Well, actually, the port is, is one of the most diverse ports in the nation, uh, as I mentioned. We have public terminals and we have private terminals. We have six public terminals that are managed by the, by the Port Administration, and we have privately owned marine terminals that are managed, obviously, privately. The public terminals here at the Port of Baltimore handle your big ticket uh, items for the most part, your containers, your cars, your, uh, light trucks, roll-on, roll-off, which, you know, we separate a little bit than other ports. Other ports will couple cars into their roll-on, roll-off commodity. We actually separate cars into one separate category, and our roll-on, roll-off, when we talk about that, is really aimed at farm and construction machinery and also mining equipment. So we handle that at the public terminals as well. We handle forest products, uh, rolled paper and and, uh, wood pulp, and we we handle brake bulk. Uh, The private terminals here at the Port of Baltimore are very important to our overall profile. The private terminals handle your smaller bulk items, coal, sugar, salt, gypsum, metals. In fact, the the Port of Baltimore handled 38 million tons of cargo uh, in 2017, and 28 million tons of those 38 million were handled by the private terminals. So the vast majority of cargo tonnage is handled by the private terminals. The public terminals that we managed handled a record 10.7 million tons of cargo last year. So even though it was a smaller amount of cargo compared to our private terminals, it was a record year for us on the public side as well. The cars that we mentioned, we've been the number one port in the U.S. for seven straight years uh, in handling cars, more cars than any other U.S. port. We've also handled more roll-on, roll-off cargo, that farm construction machinery than any port in the U.S. for several years. So really a diverse port here at the Port of Baltimore. Uh, In terms of the strengths of the Port of Baltimore, I would certainly start with our diversity of cargo, as I just detailed for you a little bit. We also have a very strong labor force here at the port. We have a very unique geographic location as the closest inland port to the Midwest. So the Port of Baltimore, if you, if you think about it, and you're looking at a globe or a map, uh, Baltimore sits uh, up the Chesapeake Bay, and that is further inland than other East Coast ports. So we are closer in proximity to the Midwest markets than other East Coast ports. We are located in the fourth largest U.S. consumer market, the Baltimore, Washington, D.C., Northern Virginia area. Our location right off Interstate 95, which a lot of your listeners may be aware of, uh, is more or less the main street of the U.S. East Coast. So we are located right off I-95, which obviously uh, gives us a a lot of advantages for uh, easy highway access to major markets. We're only 15 minutes away from Interstate 70 which uh, if people are familiar with Midwest uh, Highway Connections, they know that that I-70 links right up to the Midwest. And I'd say another one of our strengths is we have some unique quality programs that I'll get into uh, in a few minutes that uh, are quite unmatched among U.S. ports. 
That's incredible. You know, those are some of the things you just don't think about every day when you're doing business. And taking advantage of some of those opportunities can really make a difference to a company's bottom line, wouldn't you say? Well, there's no question about that. And and this is such a competitive industry. The port industry is so competitive. Obviously, it's not a situation where we have a million ports uh, around the U.S. There are a a very small number of, of major ports. It's a small target area for international shippers to choose from. So it's obviously up to us to position the Port of Baltimore as a port where ocean carriers and, and manufacturers want to bring their business. So, you know, a big topic that's, that's been on everybody's mind lately or, and over the last year or so is ability to access the Panama Canal and how large some of these big container ships are becoming. Do you guys, are you guys able to handle these uh, large container ships? We are. In fact, uh, we were uh, online with our ability to handle these big ships back uh, as far back as 2013. We were one of the first ports on the East Coast to have a 50-foot deep channel. The supersized, or as we call them in the trade, Neo-Panamax-sized cranes to handle these big ships. We still remain one of the few East Coast ports with a 50-foot deep channel. It's, It's a bit of an arms race among ports to reach that magical 50-foot deep level and be able to handle those big ships. So the fact that we have that 50-foot deep channel is, is we're fortunate that we have that. What would you say are the biggest advantages a company that's sitting out there looking to, to decide on, on these big container ships? What are the biggest advantages that you see that these larger container ships can offer a company? Well, obviously, uh, you talk about choice. Companies like to have choices so they can certainly price things out that that works better for their bottom line. So there are some incredibly wonderful international ocean carriers out there uh, that we do business with here that are obviously very well-renowned and are able to transport goods all around the world. You know, just to name a few, uh, MSC, Mediterranean Shipping, Evergreen, Maersk, uh, CMA, CGM, and, and many more. So, you know, if, if you're a company and you're looking for, you know, the right ocean carrier uh, for you, there are certainly uh, there's no uh, lack of, of depth there for you to make that choice. So taking a look inward, you know, it's very important for a big player like you guys to play an important role on the local economy as well. What are some of the ways you feel that the Port of Baltimore are making an impact on the local economy? Well, you know, it's really um, for, the, for us at the Port Administration, our, our main mission is to create, generate economic impact through the Port of Baltimore in a, in a beneficial way for Maryland citizens. So really, at the end of the day, you know, our rankings where we're number one in cars, number one in Roro, and and records that we might break for cargo, those are all great, and we're not complaining about them, of course. But we're really most proud of the fact that we generate thousands of jobs for the local economy. We're one of Maryland's largest economic engines. We generate about 13,600 direct jobs here at the port and about 127,000 jobs in the state of Maryland are linked to the Port of Baltimore. So those are jobs that are not only direct jobs here at the port, but those are jobs that are two and three times removed from the direct jobs, outlier-type jobs that would be or could be negatively impacted if, let's say, the Port of Baltimore 
closed or shut down, which of course won't happen, but those jobs may be impacted. So to have that sort of reach for uh, in our local economy is, is, is a really great thing for us. An- another really unique thing for the port and how it relates to the economy is the port's physical location is a little different than other East Coast and, and, and frankly, U.S. ports. Uh, the Port of Baltimore is located right in a, uh, a local community of Baltimore, of the city of Baltimore. It's not located, you know, off a highway where you have to drive five miles to reach the port and it's in the middle of nowhere. So what that unique location gives us is a real sense of ownership and pride from local citizens. We have generations of Maryland citizens who have worked at the Port of Baltimore and it's been in their backyard. We have fathers and uncles and grandfathers uh, who have all worked at the Port of Baltimore for generations. And that's a real unique deal for us. And so having that location in a residential or near a residential community, there's a real sense, like I said, a real sense of ownership, a real sense of pride that people have who live in those residential areas that, hey, that's my port of Baltimore. We, we, we really like it. We care about it. We want it to succeed. Yeah, and all those jobs, that's so important for not just the local, but the state's economic viability and stability. So, you know, hats off no to question. you guys for providing such a great impact, you know, that can, people can trust. If they're looking to expand or relocate their businesses there, they know that they're going to have that type of stability from a state level also. No question about it. Why don't we talk a little bit about, uh, let's circle back. You were talking about how you guys handle more cars and row row. Um, than any other U.S. port. Uh, Why do you feel you guys are so successful with those commodities? Well, a number of reasons. First of all, uh, we have very experienced labor. We have a, a, a longshore, uh, longshore worker force here that's, that's really second to none. We have uh, a really unique quality program here. We have a program called our QChat program, which stands for Quality Cargo Handling Action Team. And as far as we know, there are no other ports that have a program like this. Basically, what it is, is depending on the commodity, because we have a quality program for row-row, for our roll-on, roll-off cargo, we have one for cars, we have one for containers. And basically, this is a chance where this program, uh, once a month, we get all of the key supply chain members of that particular commodity. Uh, we have a meeting, and everyone's in one room, and we're able to go over the previous month's performance, what went right, what went wrong, where we can improve. It's having a labor, manufacturer, ocean carrier, processor, uh, and port representatives in the room at, a t- at one table, again, going over various analytics and, and taking a look at where what we did right, what we did wrong, and that has really been beneficial to us. Like I said, we, we started that quality program several years ago when we were trying to find you know, what niche cargos would work best for the Port of Baltimore. And, you know, as I mentioned before, we've handled more cars than any other U.S. port for several years. We've handled more roll-on, roll-off cargo than, than any other U.S. port for several years. And our container business is, uh, is just going gangbusters right now. So, Yeah. I was going to say, speaking about container growth, you guys are dealing with that. 
it's pretty remarkable. You know, we've, we saw an 11% gain in containers last year. We've had a 17% jump since July tw- uh, 2016 when the Panama Canal opened, the newly expanded Panama Canal opened. Uh, we used to have only 2 to 4% growth each year. So to have 11% growth last year and, like I said, 17% in the past year and a half is pretty remarkable. We have a very unique public-private partnership with Ports America Chesapeake, which operates our container facility for us. Uh, This is a P3 that's been very, very beneficial to us. Under that P3, Ports America Chesapeake paid for paid for a 50-foot deep berth at our container facility. They paid for the Neo Panamax or the supersized cranes, and they uh, continue to invest in infrastructure improvements. They just brought in six new uh, gantry cranes to help with efficiencies in the container yard. There are plans for additional RT, uh, gantry cranes and an additional 50-foot berth that Ports America Chesapeake is going to fund. So it's a really great relationship. It's a unique P3. We're very proud of that. You know, I, I certainly, while those are all great, I, I certainly want to be realistic about, about a couple of things. With our growth in containers, we have had some growing pains, namely how to handle this greater than, than expected growth that we've had. Um, Our truck turn times, which we've been been very proud of uh, over the past several years of being about an hour of a truck turn time for trucks coming to the container terminal, we need to do a better job with that. You know, we've had some, uh, over the past year, we've had some cases where our truck turn times have slipped, obviously due directly to the increase in business. So it's a, it's a great problem to have in one way, but we need to certainly do a better job on our turn times. Uh, we feel the new gantry cranes that we just put into service are going to put a dent into, uh, into that problem and certainly help that, but we know we need, to do, we need to do better. Yeah, it sounds like you guys have the right plan in place to deal with topics like that. And so I'm, I'm sure you'll be able to handle those and fix those. And, and it's really a blessing to have growth that you're experiencing. I've been reading some of the headlines lately, and you guys are turning some heads with some of your cruise business. Can you talk about that? Sure. Well, that's really a, a, a really nice uh, thing to talk about for us. We've had cruises here at the Port of Baltimore for over 40 years. For most of that time, they've been seasonal cruises where we've averaged between 5 and 25 cruises a year, spring, summer, and early fall. We opened up uh, a dedicated cruise terminal, our own facility, in 2006, and then we went to a year-round cruise schedule in 2009. And today we have Carnival Cruise Lines and Royal Caribbean, both uh, home port, if uh, that's the term that, that cruise lines use when they have a ship based in a city. So Carnival and Royal Caribbean both have a ship based here in Baltimore year-round, and they sail from the port of Baltimore to the Bahamas, to Bermuda, to the Caribbean, and Royal Caribbean offers a very nice New England-Canada cruise during the late summer, early fall for the fall foliage season. Our cruises all sail at full capacity. Uh, our cruise terminal is located right off Interstate 95, so we're able to get a lot of folks not only from the Maryland, Washington, D.C., Northern Virginia area, but we get a lot of folks that drive here from New York, New Jersey, Pennsylvania, Delaware, Ohio, even down as south as far as the Carolinas. 
Most of our cruise passengers are do drive here. Over 90% drive to the Port of Baltimore rather than fly. And it really does give people a great alternative to flying to Florida and paying for that airfare. Uh, a, lot, a lot of times folks fly with extended family, and that's very pricey. So now they can drive to the Port of Baltimore. They can park their car here. We have on-site uh, secure parking, and they just board their ship. And like I said, our cruises sail at full capacity. It's worked out very well. We um, are in the middle of some improvements to our cruise terminal, such as new restrooms, carpeting, uh, check-in counters, signage, and, and, and traffic flow on the outside. So we're making those investments uh, because our cruise business has, has proven that we need to do so. So it sounds like you guys have got both sides of the picture taken care of, both business and pleasure, and that's that's tremendous. So if I'm listening here today and I want to get a, get more information, what's the best way or what's a, what's a good website that I could go to to get more information on all the things you, you guys provide? Sure, happy to do that. Our, our MarylandPorts.com is our, is our website, Maryland spelled out, ports with an S, dot com, and also on our, our social media channels. Our Twitter handle is Port of Balt. We also have a Facebook page. I encourage people to uh, to find the Port of Baltimore on their Facebook uh, accounts. And we uh, certainly push a lot of information out through those social accounts about what we're doing here at the Port of Baltimore. Well, Richard, you've been a great partner of ours here at Global Trade. We always appreciate the information you provide us. I hope you'll come back another time and, and do another podcast with us. It's always a pleasure to talk with you. And I want to thank you for your time that you took today with our readers and listeners. It was my pleasure. I had a great time and happy to do it uh, anytime you'd like. All right. Signing off. Thanks so much. Thank you very much. You've been listening to the Logistically Speaking GT Podcast. We want to thank all of our astute readers of Global Trade Magazine and thank all of our great advertisers that help make this possible. Remember, you can subscribe and find all our GT podcasts at www.globaltrademag.com. We hope you'll return next time for another great episode of Logistically Speaking. And don't forget, globaltrademag.com's daily news and information is ranked number one by Google. 